This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Alex Shapiro. We are estheticians in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we work with really incredible, diverse, ambitious, and driven women that are killing it in life. And they deserve to be celebrated. So on this podcast, we're going to be sharing their stories with you. Yeah, and then in between those interview episodes, we'll be doing segments where it's just the two of us, maybe some guest stars, and we'll be chatting about beauty, life, weird shit about being in your 30s, and just learning more about one another because that's what makes us more similar than different. Also, we're a lot of fun, and we We have a super multicultural community, and we kind of think that you might too. So why not talk all things beauty under one black and Jewish roof? Hell yes. (laughs) Um, Also, we'll be answering listener questions, so make sure to write to us at truebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, so let's jump into the show. Bye. Hey, guys. Hey. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. Welcome. So today we have an incredible guest. Her name is Leslie Thornton, and she's the founder of the beauty company Clure. So Clure is a luxury skincare line, and it's been featured everywhere. Like, this is the company that clients come to me, like white clients come to me, and they're like, have you heard of this company Clure? It's really incredible, and I've been seeing it everywhere. And so I had heard of it, but once, like, a couple of... Again, my white clients told me about this brand. I was like, we got to get this lady on because she's officially crossed over. She did the JLo crossover and she's now just like part of the general cultural zeitgeist. <laughs> and we need all these girls to be on our show. So Clora has been featured in WWD, Allure, Harper's Bazaar, The Zoe Report, Vogue, Nylon, Allure, Birdie, Se- like actually podcast, everywhere. everywhere everywhere she's absolutely incredible which is why i was like again we got to get this girl on our show because mm-hmm. she us and why has she not been here before <laughs> <laughs> so i loved our conversation with leslie she's such a dream she's such a badass she's a woman after my own heart because she just knows who she is she knows what she wants and she goes for it unapologetically. Totally. And her life journey is really cool. Yes. Really cool and interesting. Totally. Her mom. Yeah. Oh, just wait for it when just she talks about it. Anita. Yes. Anita and her the grandma. original baddie. Honestly. They, it's just, you know, three generations of badass women that uh, just all cultivate. It makes sense, though. Yes. It makes sense that 
she has been successful and has you know has this amazing skincare line. Yes. Now that I know about the other women in her yes. family before her and all the things that she did to get to this point to believe in herself and to see that there's a hole in the market and yes there are people who are willing to buy these products and who are looking for these products. Mm-hmm. So let me do it. She's awesome. We I love this conversation and she kind of capped it off perfectly when she said this was like talking to my two best girlfriends because we really felt the same way. Yeah. Also, I just want to point out that she is an esthetician. Yes. So the fact that she's an esthetician with a yes. skincare line for me as an esthetician yes, girl, means preach. a lot and yes. it made me 10 times more interested and in it. And it should mean a lot to you too, listeners because mm-hmm. like this is not like a celebrity who's coming out with their own skincare line. Like nope. I, Even though I was just standing J-Lo, this ain't J-Lo. She and has touched faces and skin yes. and that's what led her to create this line. Exactly. And she, she got the knowledge yeah. and the experience to back it up. Yeah. Yes, which is what we're always looking for. Totally. So listen to our episode and then go buy you some clear <laughs> and we'll check in with you guys at the end we can't wait for you to hear enjoy enjoy my name is leslie thornton and i am the founder of clear.co ah uh, so would you mind? Okay, so Alex and I, we love to just allow you, just give you space to take us on your journey. Um, and so we like to start at the beginning of our subject's life and like we'll really just allow you to take us wherever you'd like to uh, end up. Direct. Direct, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we'll kind of take okay. you down some fun tangents along the way if yeah. you'd like. Okay. That's kind of what we love to do also. So we, and if I, you're coming, I would love, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'd love to give you guys anything that I haven't given people. So, um, sure. like, do you want do you want like my childhood, or do you want how I got into beauty? Like, a, just to be a little, just so I know, I don't want to keep repeating the same thing I tell people For every sure. day. We really like to start from childhood if you feel comfortable, just because we find a lot of the times that really shapes people into who they become and like why they led where they led. Yeah, sure, of course, I can do that. All right, perfect. Let's so, do it. where did you grow up? Um, I was born in uh, Long Beach, California, and I grew up in Compton, California. Okay. West Coast gal. Yeah. How did you like growing up in Compton? Um, I don't know that I had a choice. <laughs> I, I, it just It is what it is when your parents are poor, and that's kind of where we landed. And um, I don't think people really know how black people ended up in Compton. It was just this great migration. So um, I was there in the, obviously, the very early 80s when I was born. And um, I stayed in Compton until, well, what's crazy about my story is I I grew up in Compton. But essentially, when it came to going to school, um, in my second grade year, uh, which is very shortly, so I didn't actually end up going to school in Compton. So we lived in Compton, but I went to school in Beverly Hills. Oh, wow. Whoa. How? What did, what happened? <laughs> so um, when I was about six or seven, my mom got a job. I don't remember exactly the age, but my mom got a job. I remember it was in, I was in second grade. So however old you, however old you are in second grade, my mom got a job working as a nurse for the Beverly Hills Unified School District. So that um, allowed her to take my sister and, and uh, myself and my sister to work with her every day, mm. um, which is a long distance ride. So you imagine... My mom had to be at work. Yeah. So this is a long, I mean, we're talking two and a half hours to get to school every day. Oh, wow. Whoa. Yes. But your mom was like, we're doing this. I have this opportunity and we're doing it. So I went to school in Compton for, I think my first, uh, first grade, second grade. I do distinctly remember that. And then after that, I remember going to my teacher and saying, I'm leaving. And she said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to school in Beverly Hills. 
And she said, oh, Beverly Hills. And I said, yeah, you know, my mom got a job and she, um, I can go to school with her because she's the school nurse. So they basically gave my mother a permit for my sister and I to go to school. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was, yeah, it was just a very strange thing. So by, by day, I was in school in Beverly Hills at some of the best schools, along with celebrity kids, you know, like oh, wow. Jermaine, ja- Jermaine Jackson's what? kids are there. Mm-hmm. And Beverly Johnson, who is obviously oh, iconic wow. black model, is yeah. there picking up her daughter. And, you know, I think I was in class in the classroom um, with like the founders of Guess. Their kids were there. Oh, wow. But, this is so nut, like very nuts. Yeah it's, yeah, it's very nuts. And no one really understood, like that no one really knew that we lived in Compton. So, uh, but all the kids would say, well, why, why do you stay at school so late? And I thought, school ends for you at 2.30. School doesn't end to me, for me until five o'clock. My mm-hmm. mom gets off work. So um, the... Every day for, I I believe it was five years, um, we did the trek from Compton to Beverly Hills. And, you know, that is during the time of the riots as well. Mm. So, you know, you, the, the route from Beverly Hills to Compton in between is South Central Mm -hmm. to get there. Because at this time, there's no real direct freeway that will take you straight from Compton to Beverly Hills. It's all streets. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, it, it is, it's, it's, it's wild. You know, you hear kids talking about the riots that are happening and I'm, I'm like, well, that's my neighborhood. That's where I actually right. live. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it must've been like how, so you grew up in Compton, you're going to school in Beverly Hills, but you're also surrounded by very wealthy black people. And so how did you like, was that, how did you rectify that in your head as a kid? Like, did you think like, um, yeah, I, I mean, that must have been a very interesting experience to just like be around so much wealth. But then also like my experience with wealth was just strictly like white people. Like I wasn't around a lot of black like people of color with wealth also until I moved to New York. So as a child, I imagine that must have done something great for you just in showing like the, the, um, the movability through classes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I recognize, number one, those long rides. My mom was having the conversation with me back and forth that this is not your life. Mm, Like, you know, and these are the things that I cannot provide for you. But they are an opportunity for you to see people doing greater things. So I, I understood that that it wasn't my life. I understood that I couldn't, I couldn't even behave the same way the wealthy kids behaved. I knew that when I went over to my friend's house, whose parents were literally a doctor and a lawyer, and Mm. they had so much money and. I went to go play and, and, you know, splash around in their pool that that wasn't my life. And mm-hmm. this was this was a, a privilege to have this life, because when I would go home and play with the kids in my neighborhood, they weren't even able to see the things that I was getting exposed to. Mm-hmm. So I just my mom just always ensured that, you know, like I said, two and a half hours there, two and a half hours home is a lot of time with, you know, to have long conversations about the things that are important and staying grounded. So although Beverly Johnson was there, you know, picking up her daughter and her Mercedes, and sometimes we'd go over her house and play, my mom always just reinforced that, like, I'm not Beverly Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have this money. I'm a school nurse. Yeah. So without my mother, I just, I, she really just emphasized that, you know, this is an opportunity that we have. This is an opportunity I have to do better with my life. And so my mom went on to finally leave the school district and then she went to the university of southern california mm-hmm. so she went to work in a college and so that gave me another glimpse into what a college life was like yes. and your mom so, uh, i love her yes i feel i'm my- like a little teary-eyed because clearly i mean she took this job in beverly hills i'm assuming with in mind that she could do this for you and your sister 
Yes, absolutely. I'm sure she did, you know, and I think she understood that this, um, instead of going to go work at a, a hospital, that working within schools was an opportunity for her kids. Mm-hmm. So she stayed within the education mom. system. Yeah, yeah we, lo- we love Anita. I used to think my oh, mom Anita, was Anita. Ba- Anita, we love Anita. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> I used yeah. to think my mom was Anita Baker, so. <laughs> I was going to say Anita Baker when you said that. I love it. Um, we d- Yeah, we love Anita. So my mom did go on to work at the University of Southern California, and this is kind of where skincare becomes the very first. I mean, this is the first time in my life where I'm actually seeing skincare on a clinical level. Mm. Um, my mom worked particularly in the student health center. And so she was a nurse to dermatologist and some um mm. In fact, this is the first time I've ever seen a black dermatologist in my life. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Hobbs and uh, a few other doctors there were black dermatologists. And I don't know if you guys know about this huge case that's going on with uh, with USC. I'm not going to say too much, but Mm -hmm. there's a a, a huge sexual harassment case that has just uh, settled. USC just settled, I think, $1.1 billion Mm -hmm. to a doctor there. Massive, massive. You have to look it up. It's insane. So my mom was there when this doctor basically was sexually harassing a lot of the students and she was the first person to report him ever wow. on record your mom was, was a, yes yes mm-hmm. of she course was, anita, 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 anita don't give a like, fuck anita was like nah, uh, 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 I, I didn't anita come all the way from beverly no. hills down here with my daughter for y'all to be fucking around who mm-hmm. else was yeah. just like i live in compton <laughs> but i'm figuring out a way for my kids to go to school in beverly fucking hills yes yes but yes, also to like, show you damn but too is like you know we always talk about like see like it's so hard to see what's possible before you until you see it so first for your mom to show you all of these different worlds and to just show you what's possible as a young kid is so incredible it just opens up your eyes to yeah to the possibilities and not and also she was like look I'm not this person but just like maybe you could be Look, but you look, could be. Yeah, exactly. you, yeah. yeah. And my mom knew. She's like, I don't know. I, I, my mom didn't have that um, opportunity herself. She was from Missouri, a farming town. My, mm. my grandparents were, my grandmother was a farmer and my grandfather was a butcher. Mm. My mom had no idea. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very pragmatic, though, those those uh, professions. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah, I love that your eat. grandma was the farmer. Yeah, need to eat, need to, yeah, need to eat, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my grandparents were urban farmers. They were there was sky high kale in the back in our backyard in Compton. So outside the front so outside the front door was Tam's Burger Number Nine, which is like a huge chain of Rally's Burgers, junk food burgers, really horrible like food in the community. But it was really serving so many people. And then in our backyard was an entire grapevine. You wow. know, fresh wow. herbs and and kale that was taller than me. I I remember wow. corn growing taller than me. So, my grandmother was a, a full time stay at home grandma and a gardener, and my grandfather was a butcher, and he delivered all fresh meats to the Los Angeles Unified School District. Mm. That is awesome. Gosh, yeah. I wish I could talk to your grandma now. I'm starting. This I know garden. we got we got to get mom her. and we got to get grandma. <laughs> Oh, uh, I know, I know. I asked my grandmother. Well, my grandma's still alive, so oh, I, I love it. Her. My grandma's too. I shouldn't assume. I'm like my grandma's the only one who's still around at 97. No, Why gra- do I think her that? grandma's got kale the size of the house. Of course, I she's need still your around. grandma in my life. Okay, <laughs> tell her I'm growing zone seven B. What do I do? I asked my grandma the other day, "Do you miss gardening?" Because now she's really aching, and she's now yeah. has a walker. She's 89, so she said. Mm. I said, "Do you miss gardening?" And she said, "Yes, I do miss being outside in my garden." And I just 
thought, mm-hmm. oh my God, this just, just really, you know, if that is at her age, what she is like, I wish I could garden. Mm-hmm. Then I, in my respectable young age now, I need to right. be out doing these things and enjoying them because now, you know, my grandmother doesn't talk about too much of what she misses. You know, she doesn't even talk about missing my grandfather so much, but she's mm-hmm. like, I do, I, I do miss gardening. Yeah. Wow. Hands in the dirt. Yeah. Wow. Yes, so absolutely. Sweet. Okay, so you so you your mom starts working at USC and mm-hmm. now are you um in college at this point when you're No, okay. I'm not. I'm in junior high school. Oh wow, still mm. so young. Yeah, okay. I'm in junior high school. So my mom started working at USC in the very early 90s. I believe that I'm either I think when she starts there I'm in the sixth grade because that's when I, I left Beverly Hills in the sixth grade. So it's just the same transitional year. So I left early on in the year and then went on to go to school. We actually moved into a really, which is so another multicultural community. Um, after the riots, my parents were like, <clears throat> you know, we, we just have to leave really Los Angeles, the, the whole entire area. So let's get as far out as we can. So we went to the San Gabriel Valley, which at this point, the community we're in is 94% Asian mixed. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So this is, this is an entirely different world. And, um, so my mom is still working at USC and now we're living really, really far out away from, I mean, USC is down in Los Angeles. It's almost in South central LA. Essentially it is. It's just a few minutes away from downtown, but we are living now about an hour away from USC. And so I spend my summers at USC going to work with her and, Mm. you know, any uh, days off from school, I go to work with my mom and hang out, just kind of carpool in with her and hang out on the campus all day. So this is when I'm around. You're so young. Yeah, Yeah, just walking around the campus and, you know, checking things out. And, you know, my parents thought I would, you know, end up working in film and television. So it was actually a great place because you were talking about Steven Spielberg, George George Lucas. They have, you know, um, really big. uh, They've dedicated a whole entire areas of the campus to, you know, these great filmmakers that came out of USC. So there was a, there was a lot of that wow. experience and just being a kid able to, you know, my mom just would just say, come to work with me for the day. You know, your summers, you can hang out with me. Yes. So just, but she's just, introducing you to so much. She's introducing you to not even just so much, but like the best of the best of like, if you want yeah. to be Steven Spielberg, look, he's right over like that. He's not necessarily, he's right over there, but like, this is where you can learn how to become that. Like that's yeah. so cool. And like, that's just such I assume that your mom is black and that's a very black mama thing. Like, yeah, you're coming with me for the summer. You're not just sitting around here. We're going to make some, make some of the summer. You're to learn something. And I love this. This is so and great. And it was awesome. USC is centered in, like I said, it is in South Central LA. So there's actually a lot of programs that center around the community. So there was a swimming program for kids who lived in the hood. USC is probably one of the only top colleges, like, dead in the hood it's smack mm. dead on, on figure figueroa like it's in the that. hood so yeah it's like smack dead in the hood so um you know and that's that was great because there was a lot of programs and my, my mom's like you know swim with mike is happening this summer you can go swim at the olympic pool the college olympic pool and learn to swim right. things like that so it was awesome and and um being around doctors like that at this point i'm getting free retin-a you know little samples <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I love this. At 16, so, <laughs> so at like six, seven, 
seventh grade, I'm in class. I'm like the only person with a teeny tiny Retin-A sample. They don't make these anymore, but they were little tiny, teeny tiny Retin-A micro samples. When the pharmaceutical reps would come in, they'd bring in these tiny oh God, samples. Retin-A micro was huge in the 90s, I feel like, too. Like Retin-A micro specifically. Yes, because it hits the market. It's brand new. It's this like, you know, really strong yeah. retinoic acid. And, and everyone's, in, you know... amazed by the results but I'm in seventh grade because I got a bunch of samples at my mom's work applying them in my classroom peeling like hell oh my god you you see it like three times a day yeah showing it to your friends too this is so funny when your mom saw your face what did she say Oh, my mom, my face was a mess. I mean, we're, I'm going into my teenage years and my, my mom's like, I'm, I think this is seventh grade now. And when I get into the playing into all these, you know, drugs that my mom's bringing home, um, I think she's just like, what are you doing? You know, at this time, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so what did you, so even though you're playing like with, um, playing with, I'm using that term kind of lightly, like you're kind of messing with these new products. Like what drew you, do you think, to skincare? Like what drew you to the dermatologists and everything? Um, I mean, I, at the time I had acne and I think that was like, that was the draw. Mm. I was, you know, I was a young kid. I mean, I'm, I'm in seventh grade going into the eighth grade and you know, after eighth grade, I have one more year in junior high school, and I don't want to look a mess when I hit ninth grade, which because that be- for us in, in California, ninth grade is high begins high school, so mm-hmm. you go to a different school. So junior high is like you know it's, you're still kind of dorky, and I didn't want to be in high school and go into my ninth grade year around other people who are like already going to be graduating because this is when you're mixing in dorky kids with people who are almost pre pre adults right you're trying to separate yourself from the pack you're like look it's new beginnings yeah like that she or she's all that moment is possible yeah. <laughs> yeah i i knew that i could i could have terrible skin in junior high school and not think anything of it i didn't want bad skin in high school so um i get into you know tazarax i think was something i got into and then there was you know antibiotics that the doctor put me on my acne was so bad but I think I was just doing too much and I don't know if it was necessarily that I I was drawn into skincare I was drawn into sort of trying to fix myself and feel more beautiful and I didn't have a handle on my skin my mom was not a dermatologist at all and really what she was dealing with were doctors who were just really willing to write a prescription that was Mm -hmm. essentially so I could get a prescription for anything I had a prescription for hydro um Hydrocortisone, hydroquinone, hydroquinone, hydroquinone. I had, you know, and the doctor was like, just take a little Q-tip and only put it on the dark marks. So these doctors were just, you know, they, they, they're like, listen, we write prescriptions. We are not here to be skin therapists. Mm -hmm. We're not giving you that, that guidance. We're not coaches. We're just, what do you want? We'll write it for you. It's kind of the same, I think. I mean, you're an esthetician too, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So as three estheticians, I think we can agree. I don't want to bad mouth all dermatologists, but like so many of them are like this. Yes. Where it's like I write prescriptions and that's just like what I'm here for. Exactly. Yeah. And it's very and, you frustrating. Know, I- it is frustrating. I think that is definitely the old school, but I do see a lot of young dermatologists now, like on TikTok, yeah, on yes. Instagram, Same. really talking about you really should be using a gentle cleanser like CeraVe, or you should be using, you know, a buffer. You should not be, you know, but giving giving more practical advice and yeah. not writing scripts like as five as prescriptions much. to use at once. Yes, yeah, 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 yes, yeah. and that's what I was. I was just, mom, can you ask the doctor to write me a prescription? Mom, can you ask the doctor to write me another prescription? And I had everything, and what I didn't have was any guidance. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
so, you know, I fast forward, I'm in high school and I, one of the, the moments that struck out to me the, the most that was a friend, um, my mom's friend came over and I had, I had become a picker, a constant picker. I couldn't oh, no. stop pick, picking my skin. I couldn't stop picking my pimples. And she saw me and I'll never forget this, but she saw me and she said, Leslie, what are you doing? To, what ha-? She said, what happened to your face? That's what she said. Oh, what happened to your face? And I said, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened to my face. Just, and, you know, it just it, it hurt me so bad. It just mm. like my, my, my heart fell to my, my feet because I thought, what did I do? You know, what did yeah. I do for my mom's friend to say what happened to your face? Like as if I wasn't beautiful. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of marks, a lot of marks, a lot of scarring, a lot of um, hyperpigmentation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was bad. It was very bad. So I, I, I just couldn't stop picking. I mean, I just felt like if I picked it and I put something on it it would be better you know right and it, it wasn't the case so obviously um that took a toll on my self-esteem and and i had acne throughout high school um it it really didn't necessarily clear up i would say until after high school i think i had acne all four years in high school oh, no. um mm-hmm, so yeah hard. and it, it was definitely hard. hard but you know during high school is when i discover makeup so okay. at least I, I'm like, listen, I I haven't figured out the skincare thing. I've got every prescription you could ever imagine, but I still haven't figured out my skin. So at least I can cover it. Yeah, for sure. So I discover makeup in high school and this becomes a whole new world for me. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I got a job doing makeup at a cart. I don't know if you guys remember those shimmery eyeshadows that were in stackable plastic of things. Of course. <laughs> yes. Yes. Glitter everything. <laughs> Early aughts. Glitter gel everything. Yes. So they, I think they were called uh, pure colors or pure pigments or something like yeah. that. And they were just stackable pigments. And you would you could get the glitter. You could get a pigment. You could get a powder. And you just put them in a stackable plastic thing. And um, yeah, that was one of my very like first times that I, I realized like makeup is something really special. It makes me feel so good. It makes other people feel really good. And so after high school, um, I went on to do like little small makeup jobs uh, for friends. And, you know, I would have girls come over and do their makeup. And during even prom time, I would have friends, you know, wanting to come to my house and get their makeup done. And another funny story is uh, this. And I now thinking back, this really is a part of, of my story and kind of how I landed here. But my dad basically comes to my room and knocks on my door and he doesn't know what I'm doing in my room, but he's like, Leslie, there are girls outside. And I'm like, okay, let them in. And he's like, 
they said they're here to get their makeup done. Who's doing their makeup? <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> this is so great. Meanwhile, you're like, yeah, let them in, Dad. Don't you know there's a waiting room? Like, can somebody yes, get them yes. some tea? It's called, like, you work called, for me. It's, 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 called, it's called the kitchen. It's yeah. called the kitchen. And so, so my, dad is, my dad is from Detroit. So he's like, there are girls outside. Are we good? You know, and I'm like, oh, yes, you need some Vaseline. Yeah, girl. He's, he's like, are you are you okay? I'm like, no, we're fine. Let them in. And he's like, well, where are you going to do their makeup? I'm like, in the kitchen while you watch the football game. So my dad is there watching the USC football game, and I'm in the kitchen pressing my friend's hair, who are Asian. They've never seen a pressing comb in their life, but I don't have oh. any other tools yet. Oh my oh, god, I love so this. Right, you're in this free. Asian community. I guess we should yes. realize the girls in yes. the door. Yes, so good. So you got a hot yes. comb. And- I get a hot comb. I put it on the stove. I put it on the stove. They've never smelled burnt hair in their life. Oh they have God, no idea what the so hell is pungent. going on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like putting this hot comb through my Filipino girl's hair and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to hook you up. I put the butterfly clips and twisties <laughs> and I give them those like very black girl hair. Yes. This is so like Ashanti brandy. Like yes, I twist, love this. Yes. Twist with butterfly clips. It was everything. And, yeah. And I would do their makeup and my dad is like, I, I'm literally w- trying to watch the game and I'm smelling burnt hair. So good. Like, You're like, I'm starting I'm like, my business. Dad. Yeah, yeah, this, I love, and it. This, love it. This is the start Lord. of my business. This is the beginning of my business. And I'm realizing, you know, I'm like, yeah, let them in. Those are my clients. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I'm putting together all the stuff that we have in the house. I'm going through my mom's hair products, my hair products, my sister's hair products to make a little kit, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's that's just funny enough. But, you know, I'm realizing I, I can't believe I was pressing my Filipino girl's hair. Like my friends. I like, love this. <laughs> I love it too. No, you just like you knew what you knew. And you're yeah, like, you're like, this we're is what I know about work. hair. Exactly. And it worked. Yeah. I was, girl, I thought you were going to be like, and then it all fall out. Like, and you're like, no, no. no, I twisted it up. She looked fly. Then she sent her homegirl in. We did it again. No. So good. <laughs> so I do this and I kind of become known in high school. And this is pre YouTube. This is like 99. So this is way before YouTube. And I'm already a makeup girl. I'm already into, um, you know, beauty. And so. Uh, girls at school started to know, you know, like, oh, um, you know, don't you do makeup? And I'm like, yeah, I do. They're like, can you do my makeup for prom? Of course I can. Come to my house. So it really becomes just a little tiny, you know, small business that I'm I'm doing girls makeup during prom season. And then after I graduate high school, um, <clears throat> I got a job um, working. Well, I go to college and basically my parents were not able to pay for me to go to college. I needed to work and I got a lot of loans and grants and to make up for what I was, what, whatever balance was left, I was to pay it. My mom's like, you, you're, if you don't want to go to USC where you can get in free, because that was actually part of the perks of working at USC. I was Anita, always coming through. She's just like, I got a free place for you to go. <laughs> Anita's like, yeah. you're diverging off the plan. This is on you. Yeah, she's, she's like, like, I did what I had you. to do. Yeah. Yes. So my mom's like, if you don't want to make the grades to go to USC, and I'm like, mom, I'm not smart enough to go to USC, so I'm going to go to this art school. So my mom's like, well, then you're going to pay art school money. Mm, so, you know, it's yeah, no, it's not cheap. So I end up going to FITM and I, I thought, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to be around beauty, fashion, all these things. And um, I don't want to go to USC. So um, I go to FITM and during my time at FITM in college, I <clears throat> cut through on the train. So I'm taking the train to get to school at the time. And, and a, a shortcut through the, the train is to walk through Macy's. Oh, 
to walk through a department store and then walk out the back and you're basically in front of the college. And um, every day I'm doing this sort of walkthrough just to kind of like look at beauty products as well, burn time, and then I get on the train. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I'm there, I think it, within a, maybe two months of walking through, you know, I, I am speaking to somebody at a counter and, you know, they, they asked me if I want to get a job, if I want a job or I wanted to, you know, apply. So I said, yeah, I'd love to apply. So I apply and I get a job at Estee Lauder mm. and I start working behind the counter and it was fantastic. Just, just an incredible experience. I, I just, funny enough, two weeks ago, I spoke with the woman who gave me this job. Wow. I love that. Yes. So I reached out to her and her, and she just could not believe it. She said, wow, I, I, I can't believe you remembered me. I said, I'll never forget you. Like you gave me this job wow. that ended up shaping my life. Was and she like, said, well, no, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Continue. Continue. I mean, to cut you off. So yeah, her, uh, her name was Heidi. So I, I called up Heidi. I found her Heidi Bailey, Googled her and like, she's now a real estate agent. And she's like, I don't work at SC Lauder corporate at all, but I'm just so blown away. I send her a bunch of podcasts and a bunch of the PR and press that, you know, Claire's gotten. She's just, she's just dumbfounded. She's like, I cannot even believe this. This is so amazing. And I told her, do you remember the the moment that, as that you told me on the floor to go unroll the um uh, it was like a, a, a gel it's called a gel basically that you put them in a light box and it's a promotion or advertising and it was of Laya Cabetti okay oh yeah and she is the very first black model in the entire history mm-hmm. of Estee Lauder Mm. Uh huh. So this becomes like very, it, it stands out to me still to this day. And I always tell people the story. This is the first time I'm actually ever seeing a black woman's face associated with a luxury beauty product. Wow. Mm. Wow. And I asked Heidi, do you remember that? She said, Leslie, I remember it vividly because you were so proud. You were so, so proud. I said, yes, because I actually had something I could relate to yeah. that um, before that it was Carolyn Murphy was the mm. face. Mm-hmm. So um, I worked for SLA for a, a long time. Um, and then I end up doing in 2005, I end up, I graduated college. And in 2005, I'm supposed to do an internship. And I end up somehow deciding not to do this internship. And uh, something tragic happens. And this is Hurricane Katrina happens in August of 2005. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I just felt like I am a, a fresh out of college. I have no money. I have nothing to lose. I'm going to go to New Orleans and help people. Wow. So um, this is the aspect in which, you know, I, I, I learn about environmental racism. I'm learning about sustainability. I'm learning about community care. I'm learning about grassroots organizing. And mm. fundamentally, this this moment in my life changes my life because I make it to New Orleans. I am the only black volunteer out of 23, a caravan of 23 people who left California to New Orleans. I'm the only black person. Wow. I get there and I'm working with a very small organization that was put together through NPR radio here mm-hmm. in um, L.A. And what I realize is like this organization is great. But in the middle of meeting other you, you basically are there's there's trailers there's campsites for volunteers but there's nowhere to live because remember everything is still underwater so there's really yeah. nowhere to live so there's just campsites so the campsites of volunteers end up mingling co-mingling with everybody right. some people came from portland maine some people came from florida some people came from up north and they all kind of co-mingled at these campsites and 
in the campsite, I find out there's a smaller organization that's doing even greater work, and that was called Common Ground Collective. So I left the original caravan of people that I came with to go work at Common Ground Collective, which is um, mainly servicing the Lower Ninth Ward, the Lower Seventh Ward, mm-hmm. and Algiers. Mm-hmm. And um, they their focus is on indigenous communities that people were not talking about. So there was a home, the Homa Nation, which is an Indian um reservation that's down in Louisiana. There's a Vietnamese community that's down there that's been hit pretty bad that no one really knows about. So they are really trying to address and they're actually led by two ex Black Panthers. So yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yes. They were amazing. Amazing, amazing. This is um Raheem Malik and Sharon, they were I mean, they they completely changed my life. They turned their home into a camp basically a setup for uh, a food drive. And then after that, they raised enough money to start setting up small um, internet cafes. You have to think 2005, the internet's not quite everywhere. Right. So, you know, people in a, their, the neighborhoods that are deciding to relocate and come back into their homes have internet so they could have a place to use the internet. Mm-hmm. There are small um, clinics, like free clinics. There are free food um, drives. And at a certain point around I stayed there for six months, but when I came oh, back wow. to visit into, in, yes, I stayed in New Orleans for six months and I, um, there was another hurricane that came in when I was there. So we actually had to go and like go hide in Mississippi, which is this, this is the most bizarre place you've ever been. It's the backwoods Tyler town, Mississippi. It is, you drive through there and you know, there's some weird stuff that happened down in that, that, that <laughs> neck of yeah. the neck of the woods. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, this is real weird. So we end up with, Hooking up with a church who's willing to house us, put us in their church while this hurricane blows over. And it's um, it's a little black church. It is on a cemetery. Oh, my God. So the cemetery is in the back. It is the most bizarre thing you've ever seen. But they just happen to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll take you guys in. And, you know, you can go hide in this church in Mississippi while the hurricane blows over in New Orleans and Texas. This is Hurricane Rita, right. which comes in after Katrina. And this is basically the eye of the hurricane is supposed to hit New Orleans and Texas. It, it, it terrifies, it, it dissimil- it, sorry, it destroys Texas, mm-hmm. but it barely hits New Orleans. So we go hide in Mississippi. And so in all this time, you know, I'm still a girl who loves beauty. Yes. I was just a, few months ago, <laughs> just a few months ago, I was working at, you know, um, Essay Lauder. Yes. And now I am living as a volunteer, you know, on a campsite in the back of a cemetery in a church and still want to, you know, wear lip balm. Yes. So, you know, uh, this is all, it's, it's, it is a wild story. So anyways, we ended up going back to New Orleans and, and I stayed in a, a total of six months with um, the Common Ground Collective and uh, so we basically focused on community organizing. So essentially the the entire collective grew to be so big that there were, it became a, a part of like colleges could come. Um, if you were a college student, you could come and volunteer there yeah, and be put up. Yeah, I've heard this before, for sure. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. You could go, but I was one of the very first volunteers starting in the back of Sharon and Malik's home. And then eventually Brad Pitt got involved and he donated a ton of money. So then it grows to be bigger. And then they're working on sustainable gardens and teaching people how to grow food. And it it actually just becomes such a large organization. And then Raheem stepped out of the organization. But yeah, it was unbelievable to be a part of something from the very, very beginning and uh, see it become such and it just it, it made it its mark in history. I don't actually think that there is any grassroots organization on that 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 small that has made such an impact. I think they've serviced over a quarter million people in New Orleans. Wow. 
So let me ask you something. All this while, while you're doing all this awesome human humanitarian work, do you know, I think that oftentimes with our work as um, beauty professionals, like w one of the reasons that we love what we do is because it, it can be looked not quite like it's humanitarian work, but like it's human work, right? As, as giving back to people, um, making people feel beautiful, kind of like exactly what you were saying before. And so throughout this, like where did that kind of like play into the journey of, of starting Chlor? Like this um, pretty pivotal time in your life, it yeah. sounds like, and where you're really, and it also sounds like you're bringing a lot of things from your past, right? Like grandma's gardening and like, and the sustainability. And I know that your co company currently really values uh, both of those things. Um, so yeah, I'm curious where the link is and, or where, how that impacted where you are well, now. I mean, one of the things that happened when I was there was I had never heard of Dr. Bonner's in my life, but Dr. Mm. Bonner's do donates tons, tons, probably 20,000 units of peppermint wow. soap. So because you think about it, people have lost their homes. They don't have anything. So we have this huge warehouse of, um, uh, of to toiletries. And so they put me in charge of sorting toiletries, making toiletry bags so that we can give them out and drop them off. Mm -hmm. um, some people who decided to, if, even if their home was um, obliterated by, by the, the water, we would go help them tear out the mold, the molded drywall. And then basically they would squat in their home so that people wouldn't steal their property, oh essentially. Wow. So there you don't have anything there's absolutely nothing there's nothing left but maybe some family photos if you're lucky so this is we're talking about there's just a frame left to the house there's no more drywall you tear mm -hmm. all that out there's no more nothing so people are literally just um counting on these organizations to give them everything so there's a, a clinic for women just for women's needs there's a clinic for um just coming to pick up daily toiletries, bleach, soap, cleaning. So Dr. Bonner's donates all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I have no clue what an essential oil is at this time in my mm -hmm. life. I have never known. Yeah. I, at the end of my day, I take a cold shower because there's no hot water. I take a cold shower with this Dr. Bonner's peppermint soap. That's what my it, husband it, uses. It, <laughs> yes. It, I mean, this is the first time I'm thinking, this feels like my vagina is chewing gum. Oh, my oh God. My I know. It's so tingly when you use it on your badge. It's so crazy. <laughs> so I take this doctor. I, I, I had a few little, I have a few little tiny bottles of the lavender and the peppermint at the time. I loved Dr. Bonner's. I thought this was the greatest thing on earth. I'd never experienced anything like it. And um, essentially, I bring those products home with me. Mm. They're like, in my little bag. There's not much to take home with me, but I bring those those products home with me. And that is the first time in my life where I'm like. I want to switch to like more natural products because mm. a lot of the volunteers were very granola. I mean, we're talking yeah, about yeah. volunteers that came from Portland, Maine, driving down on a vegetable powered bus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very, very, very hippie. Very Out hippie. Out of the goodness of, of their hearts. For, with, yes. No absolutely. But to go help people. Yeah. But to go help people. Yeah. So a lot of my fellow volunteers were hippies and they just lived a very organic. I learned about dumpster diving there and about mm. how to make food out of nothing and things like that. So, um, I take these products home and they really become like sort of a, a, a turn because, you know, I had experience at Estee Lauder and those were not obviously natural products, but 
I started really studying a lot of understanding the ingredients I wanted in products that I wanted to use and things I did not. So I, I try to, I, I discover really mostly a Trader Joe's section. So I switched to mm. natural deodorant. I think I'm switching to Tom's at the time. Tom's of Maine was like the OG natural deodorant at the time. time. Yeah, it yeah. was, it was, that was Tom's of Maine and it was Dr. Bonner's soap and I was using some kind of oatmeal bar and then I used, um, um, I switched to the Tom's of Maine um, toothpaste because it was in metal tubes. Mm-hmm. So all these little tiny things are, are I'm making changes. And, and you, you know, this is going into 2006. So, so this is a long time ago now. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm realizing like there, there are certain things I want on my body and there are certain things I don't. So at the same time, I'm still using like a Mario Badescu facial cleanser, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I know that there are things that I, I, I get results from and I know that there are things that I feel more connected with in my products. My Dr. Bonner's products felt very extra special to me because I got them obviously during this time in my life. But um, when it came to Clur and putting the story together, they really just became like looking at all the big moments, all the big bang moments in my life, whether it was like Beverly Johnson picking up her daughter and watching her get her hair weave done mm. and recognizing that this is Beverly Johnson. This, this is a, a, a black woman in the, as a face of beauty yeah. to the moment of es- being at Estee Lauder and watching and putting up Laya Cabetti's image in the light um in the light box walking away from that and going oh my god mm-hmm. oh my god i am the only black makeup artist here behind the counter and this black woman is who i get to like you know yeah show off i yeah. felt like i mean don't Dude, make you feel like, like, <clears throat> like you belonged there like you like these two huge influences like kind of where there wasn't any girl i didn't have that feeling at all but for you i mean to like look to your left and see Beverly Johnson look to your right and see this beautiful image like right within your work I I don't know and then to look at and see yourself yes you're the only one there but also like god damn it I belong here like yeah it was those were the so when I when it really came to shaping Claire it was really about just these moments in my life that were so magnanimous there were things that completely changed how I saw the world Mm. even during Katrina I mean when I I had been there for six months and my hair was a damn mess like I was a mess I I was in Alabama we we went to the Alabama warehouse and someone offered to press my hair on their porch so I said yes I want my hair pressed (laughs) that kind soul that's so sweet wait was she kind soul that was good. With a lot, with a lot of grease. So, uh, with a lot. <laughs> or was she like, uh, "You look lot- like a mess. Come here." <laughs> no, no, no. I, I asked someone at the warehouse. Do you know where I can just get my hair washed? You know, I told you there was yeah. no hot water. Yeah. So I said, you know, I just want my hair washed. And she said, "Oh, my auntie does hair." Yeah. Because you can come to her house. She'll do your hair on her porch. So I, I got my hair, you know, washed. I, I showed up. I'm like, this is my hair. Even then, even in the toughest time of my life, watching just this disaster play out, you know, in front of my eyes and. I still longed for some kind of like beauty ritual. So yeah. I got my hair, I got a, a Southern grease press. You That's know? like the original <clears throat> kitchen. Literally. I love it. Is the point. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, so, <laughs> and I mean, to think about it, I'm like, wow, no, no, there's no salons open. There's no shops open. Mm-hmm. Just, just someone's auntie can do your hair. And, you know, yes. and so the next day, the next day I'm volunteering and, it, and it's hot and it's humid in New Orleans and the grease is dripping down my face. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is, um, 
this is all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still straight, girl. But that hair was, it was still it straight. Was, it, was still, it, was still, it was still silky. It was still yeah. silky. <laughs> Didn't sweat it out. <laughs> yep. So, you know, um, all those moments played a, a pivotal role for me because they changed the way uh, I saw the world. You know, I, I, just on this sort of humanitarian level of seeing you know, black people and such. Actually, you know, I think the first time I'd really seen these travesties, things happening within the black community was probably the riots because I'm still living in Compton when the riots happen. Mm. I watched the riots happen on my grandmother's porch. Mm -hmm. This becomes, you know, one of those moments just completely changes my life. I remember walking into my grandmother's living room and the, the Latasha Harlan's case was on television. Mm -hmm. And so that's barely made it to Netflix. Like that, mm -hmm. that case is yeah. I think there's, yeah, a documentary barely meant, I mean, we're talking, this is 30 years ago. The mm -hmm. story is just being told. Yeah. Mm. I, I remember being a very young black girl walking into a liquor store and being like, just get in, get yes. out, get your yes. stuff and get out, you know? Mm -hmm. And so those things had a lot of impact on my life. So, uh, you know, Clur as a brand, of course, I've, I, I, we are in the luxury space, but we still use, you know, our stories on Instagram or our platform to address things that are on a local and communal level, because this has always been my life, balancing this sort of like blending in with one community and living in another community while mm -hmm. addressing things that are really happening. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it wasn't like I went from Estee Lauder to live living in a campsite. Uh, you know, dressed up as, literally every day at S.A. Lauder Full Makeup, selling $300 creams right. to living on a campsite with no running water. It wasn't something I couldn't adapt to. I went from living, you know, working, I'm sorry, being in Compton as a kid to going to school Beverly Hills every day. Yeah. Just jumping back and forth, you know, being able to sort of be a chameleon yeah. and live this um, multifaceted life without ever quite, um, I don't know, I guess I, I, I didn't Never really judge. Never think about it. Yeah. So it was, it really became a reflection of the brand to build something that was luxurious because there were no black owned <clears throat> luxury brands. Mm -hmm. There were very few black estheticians out here. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are out here don't really talk about the needs of black people at all. Mm -hmm. And um, I just thought, how can I check every box that I felt was empty? Mm -hmm. How is it as a consumer, as a, an esthetician, as an educator, as a formulator, and even just as someone who is build, uh, b taking the creative direction of the brand, you know, uh, taking on that role, how do I check every box that I feel was missing? So, um, you know, launching the brand, um, la what you guys see now is a relaunch. That was 2019's relaunch, but we launched in 2016. We actually, I spent two years in Urban Outfitters before I mean, anyone even knew who we were. Wow. And so, wow. so we went, so Claire is a rebrand and I always make sure people understand that because that's how long a lot of times you, you know, folks of color have to work to get where they've got to go. Yes. So I, I, I never let people, you know, think that we just jumped up and, we and then we, we, we yeah. arrived. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 No, totally. we didn't arrive. And when I did launch Claire, as you see it now, it was really on deaf ears. It was very, um, how would I say it was not well received? I mean, speaking on about, you know, speaking out openly about social justice issues was not something new to the brand. You can go down to the bottom of our feed and, you know, I'm talking about Stefan Clark. Yeah. Um, yeah. and this is years ago, this is 2015, 2016, maybe 2017. And then we're getting unfollowed. Mm -hmm. Um, Talking about sustainable Black-owned brands, not even in the conversation. No one even wants to hear about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then a, a Black-owned brand in our price point over $100, you know, products over $100 is not seen at this point. Mm. Wow.
Yeah. Well, and two is, you know, it's interesting. It's because, you know, I remember somebody, a client of mine said this to me and she didn't, she didn't mean anything by it, but she just said, you know, I love that you blend activism with your beauty content. And I just thought, do you know, for some of us, like we don't have a choice. Like I'm not being an activist. Me being a black woman in the beauty space by itself is being political, you know, is radical because totally it's just me here. Do you know? You know what I mean? And so it's interesting. I know exactly what you mean in that, like, yes, some people can sort of um, just choose to not participate, I suppose, especially pre-2019 or pre-2020, right? Um, but for a lot of us, we don't have a choice. It's baked in. It's one in, It's one in the same because it's, it's who you certainly are. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know anything different. I don't know yes. anything. Yes. I, I'm like, I, I don't know what the life, uh, life is without seeing these things. So I don't know how to not talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it is for a luxury brand to actually bring these things forward and not always t- like it's a luxury just to buy our products. And we recognize that. But we're not detached from the real world. Like There's mm. still a founder that is here that has had a life before this. And granted, um, you know, we've grown a lot in the last year and think that that's fantastic. But uh, we should have been where we're at right now two years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and it also seems from what I read about you that you're still very much so involved in grassroots organizing. Yes, but I'm not an activist. <laughs> I'll put right. it that way. Yeah. Right. But I think yeah, it's so great I- that it seems like you just to your point of what you were saying, you're like, yes, there's this whole story behind this. It's not just that I popped up one day with this great skincare line and like whatever, you know, because I think it is important for people to know the story behind things. Yeah. And Claire is like really this. just Claire as, as a whole is just it's some of parts, right? It's the right. sum of all the parts. It is not just some idea or some concept that I wanted to just start talking about black people. I've already I've always known. I've seen this, you know, my, my, Anita's Anita. my my mom's cousin um, <laughs> was uh, I don't know I guess that would be my second cousin but he's mm-hmm. more like an uncle because he was so much older um, he was the um, in, the head of the he was a vice president of the NAACP Los Angeles chapter so oh, wow. these things have been baked into my life they are not things that um, that took a second seat at all right. they 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 were part of the brand because they're part of my voice and Claire really is just my voice. And it certainly looks one way from the outside, but having conversations around what it is that I can do for for my um, community is part of our brand pillars. We only have two brand pillars. Most brands have six brand pillars. We only have two. We believe, I believe that humanity and sustainability coincide when you cover those two everything will fall underneath them just like a tree it's like Mm -hmm. you don't have to have 50 brand pillars we have two if we are looking out for humanity and if we are putting humanity forward and at our and first then we we prioritize people and if we prioritize sustainability then that is looking after the planet so there really is no other what else can is is more important than that Mm mm-hmm that makes me feel nice. I know it's fantastic. I love it. Um, I think the only other, the other other thing that I would like to say is, um, do you know, I think it's difficult when you are walking, when you don't have necessarily like somebody that has done what you're doing before you like there's no necessary blueprint right you're out there kind of like creating your own blueprint and so just in regards to what you were saying about like activism um, being baked into who exactly who you are 
um, and just like kind of waiting for time to catch up with you. It just reminded me so much of, um, do you know, Pyre Moss and his first collection came out and it was so great. Everybody loved it. His section, second collection came out and it was, you know, Black Lives Matter before this past year. And it was all radical, not radical. It was just saying people are getting shot in the street. Girl, all the things that we know, all the things that we know as black people that happen in this country, he was putting on clothes and he almost went out of business. Nobody bought it. Like everybody who pre-ordered backed up, backed away and said like, you know, we don't want to support this. And last year he won all the awards because last year happened and time caught up. So there's something to I be I don't said. even know if it's, do you think it's time caught up or do you think it's because white people said it? Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I mean sometimes by time catching up, <laughs> yeah. girl. Sometimes, you know, yeah. And some white people on social know, media not... were like, "We're gonna take a hold of. We're gonna this. okay this. Mm-hmm. This is yeah, cool now. We're gonna give. We're gonna yeah. We're gonna give this an R OK. So we're you know, and and I think we really have to have that conversation very openly. Like, is why is it when we speak of things that are happening in our own community, they have no validity, but when a white person says it, it is now valuable it should be seen it should be heard yes Mm -hmm. not even does it not have any validity but we're going to bury this we're going to make sure that nobody hears about you ever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah 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 100 percent right yeah but um, i have to have you on for a part two i know we we have to have a part two i know that you were so tired and you just gave us so much gold i loved your story yes Thank you so oh, much for sharing you. your journey with us. Um, I wish I were part of your family, like Anita and your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> you can come to the barbecue, Alex. Don't worry. Okay. I, oh I'll vouch for you. You can come to the barbecue. I'm happy to do a part two. I actually <laughs> would be more than happy to do a part two. Yes. So aside from uh, Claire.co, is there any place else that you'd like to direct our listeners to learn more about you and your incredible brand and, and how uh, we can support you? Um, just Google. Just you can you just Google me. I mean, like, all Google. Yeah, my I try to keep my my private page private. So For sure. um, Love yeah, it. just there's tons of interviews out there. I you know I give an interview like once a month. So there's a lot of content out there. I don't and on Claire.co, I'm I'm on the Instagram all the time. So love it. it. Yeah, I think I want to buy that mask, the Supreme Seed. Oh, a Supreme Seed, yeah. It sounds really, really nice. I haven't looked at it on the website, but the way you described it in that Vogue article, I was like, oh. Yeah. We're about nice. to do some shopping. We're going to get off the line with you and go do some shopping. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great mask. It really is. I mean, it's it's certainly nothing in Clur really is designed to ever dry or dehydrate the skin. We don't yeah. really go that far with any of our products. So they are, it's much more gentle than most masks. So I, I, I just tell people heads up if you're looking for something that's aggressive mm-hmm. or is really going to give you those results. Clur is really about gentle consistency. The products are yeah. really designed to support our health, skin health. Mm-hmm. And um, it's never going to be anything that will irritate aggravate or upset our skin um so yeah it 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 is beautiful it has a little hint of cacao so it has a beautiful Mm. uh, uh, aroma that is not fragranced at all it's just part of how the product is built and part of the formulation um and uh yeah and also i think as an esthetician you guys might like elements of comfort for i actually designed as an esthetician i made um elements of comfort the body oil because i didn't have anything that smelled amazing my facials were all fragrance free Mm -hmm. and that was that was literally part of my my marketing was like i'm not doing anything on the face with all this smell so i had to have something in my treatment that gave my clients that aromatic experience Mm -hmm. and elements of comfort was made for the decolletage the arms and the chest Mm -hmm. yes and 
So that would be something I think you guys might like in your practice as well. Okay, that sounds that. glorious, yes, actually. In the checking cart immediately. <laughs> Love it. No, that sounds really nice. Yes. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much you're for chatting so with us, welcome. Leslie. You're so incredible. And um, that's it. You're, you're the bomb. Great. You know that, though. Girl. Oh, <laughs> you guys are so sweet. This was so much fun. It was literally like talking to two of my very best friends. Oh, oh fantastic. Good. I had a great time, too. too. <laughs> Have a great nap. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, guys. Hey. I hope that you loved that interview. Um, she's super fun. Yes. Um, but what did you guys think about her mom? <laughs> it's always back to I'm Anita just for obsessed us. with her. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's really, you know, as parents, I'm sure. And when you're working parents, mm-hmm. it's probably very hard to put as much focus on your children as you'd like. Yes. Right. Like that has to be hard. You're balancing a full time job, multiple children. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was her and her sister. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So for her mom to manage to do that, but also focus so much on her kids. Well, to be like, do you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to wrap this up and bring them with me. I'm going to figure out how I can mm-hmm. do both and give them something the I've best. never heard of. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Honestly, I had no I idea. I've heard more. OK, I think that this might be a thing more within like the black community, within immigrant okay. communities. Mm-hmm. And guys, we want to hear from you and tell us if this is the case because I think it's more just knowing I've got to give a leg up for my child how mm. can I do this what are the ways in I that I can that give a leg up that isn't the traditional way because I can't for one reason or another figure I can't totally. afford it for whatever reason there isn't a door open so what else can we do we craft I mean it's inspiring yeah honestly. yeah there's always a way mm-hmm. where there's a will there's a way oh yeah <laughs> That's cute. Yes, it's very cute. So, Anita, you the bomb. Also, you guys should really check out Claire. Yes. Again, as an esthetician, actually, the ingredients are really nice mm-hmm. in this line. I'm giving her my Biden bucks. Yeah. Yeah, give her your <laughs> Biden bucks. Um, it's also, and she points this out in the interview, and I can tell just by the ingredients in the products, that it's especially good if your skin is inflamed or you don't want to use anything that's going to irritate you. Yes. If you're used to using skincare that is, and a lot of natural skincare can be irritating to the skin. Everybody's just finding out that too many essential oils ain't mm-hmm. great. So, you know? But Leslie's an esthetician, so she, she knows, knows what's up. So if you want a cleaner alternative yes. for your skincare, or look if you're to a brand like this. Yes, if you're using something with, if everything else that you're using has tons of active, super active ingredients, yeah. you need something that's going to come in between using super totally. active ingredients, right? Mm-hmm. We are, we've said it before, but we're 100% on the science and nature side of things. Like, you need both. If you have problematic skin, especially, you need both mm-hmm. in your skincare routine. And not even I'm not even saying that she doesn't have super active ingredients in her line, but, like, if you're a retinol queen, if you are a chemical peel queen, if you want that P50, you need something to calm your skin down. <laughs> For the, you know, when you're not Agreed. doing all of those other things. Also, stop using P50 every day. But I think I've said that before. <laughs> yeah, we have. So, I don't know, guys. That's it for this week. We hope that you love this episode. Please write us in. Tell us what you thought. You can write to us at truebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail.com. Where else can they find us? Instagram. On the gram. <laughs> was that beautiful or no? It was amazing. Was right? Um... <laughs> At True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast or our beauty studio, which is just True Beauty Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And you can find us on Twitter. We're at True Beauty BK Pod. 
it's the only one that's different. Sorry, we got a, we were a little late on that one. Um, what else? I guess that's it. Please rate, review, and subscribe, guys. Please rate, please, review, please. and subscribe. So some of y'all have come into the studio and you've been like, guys, I love the podcast. I'm not gonna lie, I don't subscribe. Nope, they subscribe, but they don't rate and review because they're like, ain't nobody bitches. got time for that. Take 30 seconds and just leave us five Bunch stars. You're not because you're giving us your money, so we appreciate it. <laughs> But we would love it even more if you'd also rate and review us. It means a lot. It's how other people can find us. It's how podcasts move up in the ranking system. And now that I know that y'all and love it takes us. Two seconds. Yes. I've got firsthand knowledge from all of you, <laughs> each and every one of you, that you like this show. So tell your friends, tell your cousins, tell your aunts, tell your mama. Who else can they tell? Don't tell your dad. He might be weirded out. Don't tell your dad. <laughs> I mean, maybe. If he's... If, if your dad's uncomfortable man. with like the word schlong, you can tell your gay dad about us. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. All right, guys, that's it. That's okay. it. Okay. We love you. Bye. We'll, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.